So here we are, it's Sunday morning, and we have gathered in this space. Sometimes when we do the same thing week after week, or maybe day after day, whatever it is, we can get into a ritual or a rhythm that we actually forget about why are we doing this. So I'm curious, did anyone wake up this morning and ponder for a little bit why it is that you were going to come to be together with the church this morning? Maybe you pondered, it's really gloomy and rainy, and I'm not quite sure if I want to get out of bed this morning. <laughs> You'll notice that I didn't say, did you ponder whether you were going to go to church today? Because you didn't come to church today. The truth is, you are the church. And so the church came to this space, to this building. There is no Ten Commandment that says, go to a building on a Sunday morning, sing songs, listen to someone talk, socialize afterwards, or maybe not socialize, get in your car and go home. There is no commandment that says to do that. As a church, we have something that we call a mission statement, and it declares what we are about. Does anyone know, before I change the slide, what our mission statement is as a faith community? You can say it out if you know it. Learning to live and love like Jesus. And it also says that we are a growing church community. We are a church community together, learning to live and love like Jesus. You will notice that our mission statement does not say we are individual people who come to a building every Sunday to sit in the same place and learn about Jesus and then go back and live our lives the way we feel like it. What a gift that we get to be a community together called the church. And we are learning to live and to love like Jesus together. So why would we want to learn to live and love like Jesus? This morning we sang amazing songs about who Jesus is. Well, I am here to just declare, and I hope I can get an amen, that Jesus is amazing. God came to the earth as a human being, and they called him Jesus. We just came through Lent and Holy Week, and last week we celebrated Easter together. It's a reminder of this amazing example and gift that Jesus is to everyone. That through him, we can be set free. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. This is why we want to learn to live in love like Jesus, to have an abundant life. Listen to what uh, Eugene Peterson said in a paraphrase of the message of Jesus' words from Matthew 11. Are you tired and worn out, burnt out on religion? Then come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. 
I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Learning to live and love like Jesus is just really the only truly great way to live and love. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is actually really good news. Not only for the amazing gift of eternal life that he provided us for us through his death and resurrection, but also for how we are to live and to engage in the world. We are not a church community so that we can just believe things about Jesus. We want to be followers of Jesus, who are not just hearers of the word, as James says, but we are doers of the word. We want to be transformed people who love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that we love others as we love ourselves. And so I am super excited about this series that we are starting today. Because what we're going to engage in over the next seven weeks is going to take us deeper into learning to live and love like Jesus. And I believe that what we are going to step into through this series has the power to bring some real transformation in our lives if we don't just take in information, but we allow the Holy Spirit to access our inner life through this series. The heart of the Beneath the Surface series is to invite us into a journey of exploring authentic faith and profound love for God while uncovering powerful pathways for transformation through the integration of emotional health and contemplative spirituality. Our desire is for God to deeply change our relationship with him, which ultimately changes the way we live and love. Emotional health can be described this way. The ability to be self-aware and to love well. To be self-aware of our emotions, what is happening inside of us, and out of that we love well. And contemplative spirituality can simply be defined slowing down to be with God. Slowing down for rest, taking time for reflection, solitude, silence. Being with God, not just learning about God. And when these two are brought together, we have what we call emotionally healthy spirituality. As we look at the life of Jesus, we see him living as an emotionally healthy, spiritual human being. Because these two things are inseparable. You cannot be spiritually mature without also being emotionally mature. The foundations for this series are from a course written by 
Pete and Jerry Scazzaro. Pete is the founding pastor of New Life Fellowship Church in Queens, New York, and he and his wife, Jerry, are now leading a ministry called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. And Pete shares his story in um, the emotionally, uh, uh, his story of emotional health and spiritual maturity being inseparable in his book um, with that same title, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Some of you, over the last week, we made an opportunity for people to order this. Um, some of you signed up to do that. Um, for most of you, those books are in your mailboxes today. And in the first chapter, Pete shares his experience of working for God as a young church planting pastor with passion and zeal for Jesus. But over time, the emotional unhealth that was lying deep within him began to surface. And his life, which was so full and busy, as he was, had a young family, was leading a growing church in Queens, New York, the combination of these two things merged together and wreaked havoc in his life, and Jerry's as well, his wife. So I'd like us to listen to part of Pete's story um, on this video. This is part of the first session of the EHS course um, which is one course in a larger course called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. The other course is Emotionally Healthy Relationships. So listen to Pete's story um, in this video. Forming relationship with Jesus Christ. I had an incredible conversion uh, and meeting the love of God and grasping his free grace when I was a 19-year-old student in college. I got involved with a group called Intervarsity, learned about spiritual disciplines and scripture and, and, the, and fellowship and worship, eventually ended up in seminary, spent a year in Latin America, and then I planted a church here in New York City in September 1987 called New Life Fellowship Church. Now, Queens is a very unique part of the world here. Two-thirds of the two and a half million people who live here were born outside the country. And so our church is, is with people from 75 different nations. And uh, so the church grew very rapidly in its early years. It was very, very exciting. exciting. Went from zero to, to, you know, to several hundred. Uh, in the first six, seven years, we planted a, a service in the afternoons in Spanish. But I grew very tired. I found out that the yoke was heavy and it was hard. It was not easy. And I was feeling like, oh my God, when is this going to end? And I realized people were changing but they weren't changing deeply. It was like, if you look at an iceberg, one-tenth of an iceberg is above the surface, nine-tenths is below the surface. Uh, people were changing on the outside. Yes, they were spending time in Scripture. They were coming to church. Their, their lives on an external way were, were different. Uh, but deep beneath the surface, that you can see when, when you, what's under, happening in a person's life when no one's looking, that was not changing deeply. And there was a disconnect between people's apparent growing in love and fire for God and their love for people. Something was deeply wrong. And why was it that there were so many people who called themselves Christians that actually were unenjoyable to be around? 
and often were judgmental or sometimes even a bit strange. And so I, we tried everything to try to see people get changed deeply beneath the iceberg of their lives. More of scripture, more Bible study, more, more body life, getting people into small groups and community, uh, nights of worship, more prayer meetings, greater emphasis on the spirit of God and, and the prophetic and the power of God, an emphasis on spiritual warfare and, and deliverance. And, and, but there was for some reason we just couldn't seem to get at some of the material deep in people's lives so that they would experience deep transformation. And then about that time, I had my own wall. And at that point, I was 17 years as a Christian, and uh, I was tired. I, I was unhappy, I was frustrated, I was overworked. I had this dream of what God was going to do here in New York City, but there, there was some joy that was missing. And I remember the words of Jesus, what, what profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? And I was stressed, I, I was hurried, exhausted, I was dying to the wrong things. And then finally in 1994, there was in one of our congregations in Spanish, there had been a, a division and a split and I found myself furious. I, I was angry, I was cursing, I was depressed. I mean, I, I was a pastor in, in my car cursing like a truck driver and I knew something was deeply wrong at that point. And, and again, the emphasis on, on getting things done. I, I wasn't even sure I wanted to be a Christian, let alone be a pastor anymore. There were some gaps in my own spiritual formation that I realized that, that were almost killing me. And then on top of that, uh, my marriage wasn't going well. And uh, my own wife was, was feeling like a single mom. We had four young girls at that point. And on January 2nd, 1996, my wife came to me and said, you know, Pete, uh, you know, I, I quit. Your leadership stinks. You know, I lo no longer respect it. I'm going to start going to another church. Needless to say, God had my attention. And at that point, uh, you know when you think you hit rock bottom, but you're not? Uh, that's what I found out. I found out that the bottom was a lot deeper than I imagined. But on January of that 1996 day, um, I think I finally hit some, a real rock bottom. So Jerry and I went away for a week, and I went there to fix her. She went there to fix me in the church, and, but God met us. And really, at that point, uh, I, I like to call it my second conversion. And, and I realized something, that emotional health and spiritual maturity are inseparable. That it's not possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. And, and that was a revolution. And so in 1996, we began to bring into our discipleship, into our formation, something we call emotional health. And it began to dramatically change people's lives. And I realized as, as that went on, that people were still too busy, too active to actually cultivate a, a healthy relationship with God and, and themselves. And so I began to research things like silence and solitude and the contemplative tradition and waiting on God. And, and it culminated in 2003 when I, I took a four-month sabbatical. Uh, to, to what I called investigate uh, the monastic tradition, investigate places where they were focusing on silence and offices and, and solitude. And we took this four months to kind of live in new rhythms. And I like to call that my third conversion. Uh, by contemplative, I'm referring to slowing down to be with God. And again, our tradition as evangelicals is, is a rich one. We're, we're very active. We lead people to Christ. We get people in scripture. But we're not very good at rest and time for reflection. We're not very good at things like silence and solitude and stillness. And it colors the way we build community. It impacts the way we do our leadership. It impacts the way we interact with other people. And we end up speaking of things that we don't live ourselves. And so this has all led to a journey. And we call that journey today emotionally healthy spirituality. And for me, the last 18, 19 years have been the best years of my life. Personally, maritally, as a follower of Christ, 
the best years as a husband, as a father. I've loved being a pastor of a church. And so this EHS course that you're now in is the fruit of these 18 years. And so the material that we'll get, where we will be covering in these sessions is actually meant to challenge you. In fact, my hope is that the concepts we're going to talk about will rock your world, in a good way, of course, in terms of what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus. And so we will be looking at some significant missing elements of our spiritual formation and our discipleship. Things like, one, knowing yourself that you may know God, going back to go forward, journeying through the wall, enlarging your soul through grief and loss, discovering the rhythms of the daily office and Sabbath, growing into an emotionally mature adult, and going the next step to develop a rule of life. You will be invited to look inside yourself in ways you never dreamed. You will be invited to ponder honestly the genuineness and depth of your relationship with Jesus. And you will be invited to take a few practical steps that will help you follow him. The main idea that we will be unpacking here I hope that Pete's story gave you a glimpse into how very important it is for us to grow in emotionally healthy spirituality. Pete talked about an iceberg. Often we can see, uh, what we can see of an iceberg is only about 10% of the whole thing. This is what's above the surface, like in this picture. But 90% of it is beneath the surface. And that is what we can't see easily. In our lives, the above the surface parts of us is our outer life, our exterior life, what people can see. Beneath the surface is what is happening in our lives when no one is looking. It holds our past the impacts that wounds have made in our lives. And what's beneath the surface often emerges, sometimes without us even being aware, and it often emerges when life gets really stressful. For many of us, it can be all too easy to give most of our attention to the external life, what everyone else is seeing, our behaviors, our appearance, our stuff. But the truth is, there is some significant gaps in our spiritual formation when we don't give attention to what's beneath the surface and only pay attention to the external life. During this series, we want to open up a space for God to have access to what is beneath the surface and bring healing and transformation in our lives. The degree to which we are willing to give Jesus access to what is deeply beneath the surface in our lives is the degree to which we will experience a greater freedom in him. Over the next weeks, we are going to be looking at um, this, uh, Pete mentioned them at the end. These uh, seven, well, it's actually eight areas. We combined the last uh, two together. And I'm really excited for these pathways for us to engage with Jesus and in transforming 
um, our lives in deeper ways. And again, this isn't going to just happen by just coming here on Sunday morning and just getting more information. The more you engage and give space in your life and allow Jesus access to your inner world is what is going to make the difference. Some of you have already purchased this Emotionally Healthy um, Spirituality Day-by-Day Journey book. Um, This is an excellent resource that gives a framework for silence and solitude with God twice a day, along with scripture and prayer and a question to ponder. And it correlates, each each, uh, section will correlate with um, the focus that we have each week in this series. We have a few more of these books available at the table in the lobby. Um, If you're interested in purchasing it, you can also find them easily online, Amazon, all all kinds of different places. You can find used ones uh, really inexpensively. So this is just another tool that is available to you if you want to dive deeper in um, to this series. And each week after our worship gathering, we will be offering connect groups. These are small groups that will explore EHS together. So I just want to thank you for those of you who who have already signed up to be part of a connect group. Hopefully you got your email this week that says where you're meeting um, and who's in your group. At the table that's in the lobby, it's just right out the doors here um, on the right when you exit. There's a chart that has the, the, um, each group where they're meeting and everything like that if you are forgetting. Um, and I'm just so grateful for our Connect Group facilitators who have agreed to lead um, during this time. And also Chelsea has um, put together the guides that we're going to use in our Connect Groups. She uh, took the Emotionally Healthy Workbook um, series through the course and has, has put that together to kind of fit our purposes here um, at East Petersburg Mennonite. So thank you, Chelsea, for doing that. And if you have not signed up to be part of a connect group, but you are interested and would like to do that, you still have an opportunity to. If you have not signed up, but you want to learn more about it, or you know you want to be part of one, I'm going to be at the table and in the fellowship hall after uh, the service today so that you can um, get connected with a group, or maybe we'll just even do some impromptu groups in the fellowship hall for, for when you're here. And we um, are also offering a connect group during the week via Zoom. Um, Karen and Harold Thomas and Abigail Delp are going to be leading that group. So if you um, can't be here uh, for connect groups um, on Sunday mornings, that's another way for you to connect. So if you have have questions about that, um, please see me or Chelsea and we can get you connected um, with that. The other thing that I just want to let you know for those of you who um, have children, we are uh, going to have Zoomer time um, each week for the next seven weeks during the Connect group time. So when we dismiss at 1030, we're going to dismiss the kids. And thank you so much to Derek, our family life director, who has been planning for this time, and to Sharon and Mary, who are investing in our kids um, pre-K through um, high school. I'm just really thankful for giving for, for the kids to, and youth to have that space together and also to be giving their parents um, time to be able to be part of these connect groups. So today, our focus is on the problem of emotionally unhealthy spirituality. 
In your connect groups this week, you will look at the top 10 symptoms of emotionally unhealthy spirituality. When we start to see that there is a problem when we have emotional unhealth connected with our spirituality, then we have some motivation to look at our life and allow access uh, for God to have access to make some changes. So this is a painting of this. Uh, I don't even know who, who painted this. I, I should know that for this, but uh, I just found it online. This is a, a painting of King Saul, who was the first um, king of Israel. And we learn all about King Saul and his uh, life and kingship in the book of First Samuel, starting in chapter 8. Saul has a kind of a long and sordid story, and we're not going to, to read all the chapters, um, but I just want to, to talk a little bit about what happened in King Saul's life. On the surface, Saul looks like he is serving God. He does a lot of religious things that looks like he is wholehearted for God. But we see as we read through the chapters that there is much about Saul's life that is really half-hearted towards God. He is not reflective. He is unaware of his fears, his insecurities, his need for approval. He deals with stubbornness, a tendency towards self-deception, jealousy. He does not want people to be more popular than him. Saul was unaware of how unhealthy his beneath-the-surface life really was. And these realities drove him into disobedience to God in many ways, and it ultimately led to his removal as king. Saul makes little connection between his inner world and his relationship with God and people. And like Saul, we might find ourselves looking like we are serving God, going to church, reading the Bible, serving and giving, but in reality, we may not be nurturing our life with Jesus and abiding in him. It's easy for us to be learning about God, even growing in Bible knowledge, but not necessarily growing in character, growing in being more loving and humble, approachable, having a teachable spirit. And this is the problem of emotionally unhealthy spirituality. In 1 Corinthians 13, the Apostle Paul tells us, it doesn't matter how smart or gifted you are if you don't love well. It doesn't matter how great it looks on the external if you really don't love well. 
Essentially, Paul is saying that loving God and loving people well is the goal. When we aren't slowing down to soak in God's love and being transformed by his love, we are walking in emotionally unhealthy spirituality. Jesus doesn't invite us into a shallow life just going through religious motions. Jesus invites us into a life that is transformed from the inside out. This is not something that we can do on our own strength and will. We are called into a relationship with Christ to open every part of our being to him. Jesus wants to transform every facet of existence, and that includes our inner life. The core of interior examination and emotional health is not navel-gazing. It's about being a loving, non-anxious presence in the world, bearing witness to the good news of Jesus to broken people. The goal is always love. So I am really looking forward to this series of, of ways that we are going to dive in deeper to what God has for us as we explore together what it means to become more self-aware so that we can love well. I invite you to pray with me. God, thank you so much for your amazing love for us. I thank you that you are not a God who um, is just looking for perfection on the exterior. But God, you are someone who wants to go deep with each one of us. That you want to bring transformation into every part of our life, God. God, we recognize that there are places that we are really tired and worn out. We're burned out on religion and just going through the motions. So we ask you, God, to come to us as we come to you. We want to get away with you so that we can recover our lives, God. Show us how to take real rest. Help us to walk with you and work with you. We want to see how you do it. We want to learn these unforced rhythms of grace. We just thank you that you don't lay things heavy and ill-fitting on us. We want to keep company with you, God. We thank you for this gift of learning to live and love like you, which brings freedom into our lives. So I just pray over each person who is engaging um, through this, this, the, this series, God, in whatever way it is, I just ask, God, that you would do something new in each one of our lives. God, no one exempt, no one exempt. 
everyone experiencing new transformation in their lives, God. Thank you that your way is the way of love. In Jesus' name, amen.